2: Hello there, everybody. It is Wednesday, June 21st, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning here, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, soon to be on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining. Appreciate it very much. Somehow, yesterday's show, as crazy as it was, was actually the most viewed live show we have done, despite... (laughs) Losing power, losing the feed, losing my mind, somehow, some way. You guys stuck around, along for the ride, and I appreciate that very much. lot to discuss, sort of a continuation of yesterday's show, because Dana White has responded to Nate Diaz. My good buddy, Oscar Willis, over at The Mac Life, Took a trip over to Utah, where the UFC was promoting UFC 278, headlined by Kamar Usman versus Leon Edwards for the UFC welterweight title. Oscar got a few minutes with Dana, talked about the card, talked about some other notable things going on in the world of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. But then Oscar asked him about Nate Diaz. It's like, what's going on with Nate? The guy wants to fight. Why isn't he fighting? Dana gave a Dana-type answer, and then Oscar followed up and asked about Nate teasing a potential fight with Jake Paul. And Dana just sort of spoke and spoke and said things. Nate's difficult. You know how it is. Nate, his brother, Nick, everybody, they're tough to deal with. But he's not Kamar Usman. He's only won one fight in the last six, seven, five or six years, yada, yada, yada. So then he says, we're trying the best we can. We're trying not to shit on anybody and disrespect anybody, but it's not like we're talking about Kamara Usman here. We're talking about Nate Diaz. Nate's won one fight in five years. So we're trying to figure this thing out with him. And then after taking sort of a deep breath, he continued on and said he probably should go on and fight Jake Paul. That's a fight that makes sense. Nate, of course is well tapped into the Twitter landscape. He pays attention. He watches things. He hears things. He listens to things. And tweeted last night, send the release. As of now, of course, there is no release. There is no nothing. Because why would there be? Because you have a guy that doesn't want to fight for your company anymore. Or at least he wants to fulfill his contractual obligation for the company and just fight and be done with it. And the UFC has come out and said many times publicly, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. And Nate clearly doesn't want to be there. He wants to pursue different opportunities, lucrative ones. The Jake Paul fight would be just gigantic for his bank account. And Dana's saying, yeah, maybe you should go fight Jake Paul. So release the man, release the man. If that's how you really feel, send this man, his release papers. And let's go either that Or give him a fight so he can move on with his life. It is just so silly that the UFC is holding this man contractually hostage when he just wants to move on. I get from the UFC's perspective, you want him to fight for your brand as long as possible, but he doesn't want to be there anymore. So either just let him go or give him a fight. Like I don't understand why this is so difficult. I don't get it. I don't understand what the problem is. If the UFC was losing money or they were just barely making a profit and they had big, huge plans for Nate, that's one thing. But they're not hurting for money at all. Not even a little bit. They have guaranteed money coming in from this ESPN deal and from these other television deals they have internationally. Losing Nate doesn't even begin to hurt them. I get it from a pay-per-view-buy perspective maybe a little bit, but it's not going to hurt their piggy bank or their bank account at all. So I uh, I just don't get it, especially when you come out and say, maybe you should just go fight Jake Paul. That fight makes sense. That's what he should probably do. Well, he can't do that. He can't until you allow it, until you release him or you let him fight one more time. I don't understand what the problem is. So hopefully the UFC will give the man what he wants. What they should do is just give him a fight, said July or August, Put him on that Salt Lake City card against freaking anybody. Put him against Poirier. Put him against Shemaev. He'll take that fight. Put him against anybody. Just trot him out there for the fans. Let him do his thing. Win or lose, it's not going to matter. Nate, somehow his stock will rise. And then he will move on to other things. I just don't get it. And then if you do this, you have a nice amicable split. You part part ways on good terms, and who knows? Maybe two, three years from now, Nate wants to come back. Or you want Nate to come back. And Nate will realize, hey, they treated me well. They gave me what I wanted. Maybe I will go back for the trilogy fight with Conor McGregor or some other opportunity that the UFC wants to, to put together. But just letting him just sit out and put him in contractual prison is just ridiculous. So... Be a man of your word. If you want him to go fight Jake Paul, go let him freaking fight Jake Paul. Go let him. What's the problem? Let's get into this thing. Let's hear from you guys. Let's hear from James McDonald first. James, how are you, my man? I'm good. How
3: are you? Heck of a morning to you.
2: Thank you. You as well.
3: Hey, um, I know you guys discussed... um women's flyweight division a little bit yesterday, but I kind of wanted to go a little bit further in that because I'm really loving how this is setting up going forward here. Um, I just want to go down this list here. We've got Tyla Santos at 28. Alexa Grasso is 28. Casey O'Neill is 24. Aaron Blanchfield is 23. Macy Barber, 24. Miranda Maverick, 24. Melissa Gatto is 26. Tracy Cortez is 28. Amanda Hebos is 28. Maria Agapava, who I'm not as high on, but she's you know shown a little bit of promise. She's 25, and then Natalia Silva is also 25. My hot take here: I think in five years Natalia Silva is better than all of them, and I know that's a heater. But the last time she lost was against uh, Marina Rodriguez when she was 20 and uh, Marina was 30, I thought that she looked fantastic the other day. And, you know, and looking at some of her past fights, she's got good wrestling. She's pretty much good everywhere. I think that there's a lot of good prospects here. And, you know, if Valentina does want to go up, the division is in good hands going forward. I think it's, it's not quite, Uh, you know, the best women's division yet, but it's women's MMA is looking as good as it's ever been. And I just wanted you to maybe comment on that and see who you thought was the best of all those prospects. Thanks, Mike. Thanks
2: buddy. Uh, Yeah. Listen, women's flyweight is great right now. This next generation of, of 25ers is just really solid. And you still have some names in there. You still have, Misha Tate, who's fighting Lauren Murphy next Saturday, and if Misha wins, chances are she'll probably get a title shot against Valentina and kind of give Valentina a big fight, and then like you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of these names, super young, mid to, low, mid, upper 20s, all these fighters under 30, Tyler Santos, second best flyweight in the world in my opinion, and then on and on we go, Casey O'Neill. it's unfortunate that she's going to be out for a year with the injury, but A lot of times when these injuries happen and you have a patient perspective on things, you're not going to rush yourself back. She has all the time in the world. Time is on her side. And then you have Erin Blanchfield. You got Miranda Maverick. You got Macy Barber. You got Manon Fioro. She's a little bit on the older side, but she's in a big spot against Jessica Andrade. So she's in the conversation. The division's great. And then Natalia Silva in there. Good Lord. I think it is kind of a hot take. Maybe. I mean, maybe she will be in five years. Maybe she will be the best of the bunch, but I like Jasmine, Jazz DeVizius a lot. I am a fan of hers. I've been interviewing her since she, before her first pro fight. And she's a tough, tough gal. She's a workhorse. She is a natural. She's a natural. And she's, Kind of a what if in a sense that what if she had found MMA five or six years earlier? What if she had found MMA when she was like 19 or 20? Where would she be now? Unfortunately, she's still a little green. She's only been doing this thing for like four or five years. And as impressive as that win was, I need to see more. That's why I suggested on to the next one. Throw Natalia Silva in there with Montana De La Rosa. Let's go. I think that's a great fight. We'll really get to test her. Montana will throw hands. Montana will wrestle. Montana's great on the ground. And I think that's a good next step. I don't want to rush Natalia Silver at all. It was a great win, but I need to see a little bit more before I'm confident saying this could be a top 10 fighter. This could be a top five fighter, but what a debut. That's how you you get the ball rolling, that's for sure. Let's get Mike in here, Miami Mike. What's up, buddy? Mike, are you there? All right, try again, Mike. I don't know what happened, but uh, try again. Let's try. Let's get to a hit. Let's get to a hit early. See what this man's got going on. What's, on. What's on his mind? What's up, buddy?
4: A heck of a morning, Wednesday morning. Listen, I want to start this off by imagining Dana's head. It's like a tomato head. And if you cut it open... It's full of shit because what he said yes- what he said yesterday was nothing short of absolute contradictory rubbish. Firstly, he says that um nate is in uh kamaru uzman and i'm like okay fine yeah he hasn't won what, what is it he's won one fight in five years do you know who else has won one fight in five years since barack obama was president conor mcgregor yeah, <laughs> and then, what's data talking about title shots yeah and the data's going like, oh but conor's a draw so is Nate Diaz. So that's out. That's your argument out the window. Also, uh, like if Nate was this bomb, and uh, you know you think Nate's so bad and whatnot, then release him. Then get him out. You you have no problem kicking out Tyron Woodley. When the people he lost to, I know he didn't look great, but think about who he lost to. In a row, you, uh, what was it? Usman, then it was Burns, then it was Colby, then it was Vincente Luque, killer after killer after killer. That's a vicious bunch. And he did good as a champion, he did okay as a champion. Like, it's just so crazy how, like, it's one rule for one person and another rule for another. So, you know, Dana's just full of it. But I wanted to, you know, usually I go on last, Mike, because, you know, save the best for last, as always. But what I wanted to point out is Mike, you can officially say you're stunned now because I've seen rumors from an Instagram page called Full Violence that Charles Oliveira and Markachev. Is supposedly being done for October for the vacant title UC two eighty one, which of course we know is Abu Dhabi. So I know you said you were stunned, Mike, yesterday. I don't know how true this report is, but it's like it comes from a page that I've relied on that seems pretty accurate. It's called Full Violence. Um, so yeah, that's very uh, that that seems true. And also one last thing, right? Because I had to get this off my mind, man. Like. Israel and Alex Pahara, all the fanboys of Izzy drive me nuts. Uh, absolutely nuts. Uh, like what they were saying, this is MMA, it's not kickboxing. Like I, I saw Izzy saying, listen, I like Izzy, but, and he said, these are pillow gloves. You got knocked out with those pillow gloves. So I don't understand what point you were trying to make there. And by the way, all these people say, oh, it's MMA, not kickboxing. Izzy's not an ADCC champion, with all due respect. Do you think he's going to fly triangle Gordon Ryan and Craig Jones and do that to Alex Pajera? No, it's, it's just crazy. This will play out on the feet. The only problem is is kickboxing is three or five three-minute rounds and MMA's uh, five-minute rounds. That's a problem because Izzy's cardio has just reached astronomical levels. I don't know if that's to do with his titty and steroids. I mean, I'm not going to go into that, but, you know, that's all. That's today, Mike. That's for today. But I'm glad we have a show every week, every day now. We just have a show every day
2: thanks buddy yeah i mean a lot to unpack there yeah the dana thing is crazy i get it it's nuts yeah i saw i saw the full violence report and again let me just say this and i've said it very confidently and i will continue to say this uh until my days with this website are are over which i hope is not anytime soon if it's not on mma fighting it is not done and that is that is the gospel my friends If we haven't confirmed it, it's not done. It's not done. Our record speaks for itself. And trust me, we all saw that report. We all saw it. We've reached out. We've gotten no word back that that fight is actually happening. It could. It certainly could. But we have have not confirmed it. We got nothing. So, we'll see. We'll keep you posted if we do confirm that fight. And then... Izzy's just planting seeds, man. He's planting seeds. The fight with Alex Pajada is a big one. Izzy knows it. Ever since Pajada signed with the UFC, this is the direction they wanted to go. Looks like it might happen very quickly if he beat Sean Strickland. And either way, if Sean Strickland wins, Izzy could babyface that in a a huge way right now. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I... Jeez Louis, UFC 276 is a ridiculous card.
5: Super good. Miami Mike,
2: let's see if we can get you on now.
5: Are there? Heck of a morning, Mike. Heck of a morning. Can you hear me?
2: Yes, sir. We got you. This
5: is already bugging. Dude, we've been spoiled for the month of June uh as far as fight goes i mean i'm talking about from the start with the pay-per-view card with glover and all that madness to the austin card to this weekend dude we've had a heck of a month not to mention the sweet sweet uh icing on the cake uh boston celtics crumbling but we're not going to talk about that (laughs) we're not going to talk about that i do have a question and a bold prediction for you. My question is I was listening to you guys on um, on to the next one and I noticed that you guys said Adrian Yanez and uh Sean O'Malley's not the fight to make and it makes absolutely no sense, but the UFC actually put Yanez at 15 in the bantamweight division. So O'Malley's only 13. They're only two spots away. If he hit, if he beats Muñoz, Muñoz is only 10. I still don't think it's it's too much or too far of a jump, especially knowing that you know the hype, and let's say you know I've heard another argument that you know you they want their big names, their potential bigger names in the future and they could fight for more money. Why not get a second fight in it with them once they do make that stardom level? You know um, So, yeah, I do think that that is a good fight to make next. And my bold prediction, Gamrot, third-round knockout.
2: Damn. Wow. Miami Mike bringing the heat here. Holy cow. I mean, listen, it could happen. It could happen. But I just, man, Sarukyan's just so good. Not saying that. Gamrot's not good. He's great. I just think Sarukian is just, I I just, I'm just so high on the guy and maybe it's, maybe it's giving me blinders. And I think, I think the fight is tremendous. I think it rules and I, there's a good chance it goes the distance, but I don't know, maybe it does happen. That'll be huge for for Gamrod. And if he does that, in my opinion, he will probably fight and fight for and win the lightweight title at some point. If, if he beats Armand Sarukian. you mentioned being spoiled. We're kind of spoiled this weekend too. PFL, yeah, it's PFL. It should be a fine card, it's not bad. BKFC's got a pretty solid card. The Bellator card's actually really good. Musasi Eblen's interesting. Danny Sabs is back against Leandro Igo. There's there's a lot of meat on that bone. For the Grand Prix and then Magomed Magomedov versus Enrique Barzola should be fun. Brennan Ward's back. Prelims are real good. I mean, it's a solid card. The problem is this might be just the first time you've heard about it because I'm telling you, that's just the big issue. But this is a good Bellator card. This is top to bottom one of their their better offerings that they have put together. So it's going to be a good weekend, and we'll see what happens. I'm very excited for it.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
6: Let's
2: get Tristan in here.
6: What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. How's everything? How's everything going? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I want uh, to put the focus on, on Saturday's card, UFC, with Surukin and um, Gamron. But the one I think hasn't been talked about is um, Umar Namega Meadow versus Nate Manis. Um, I, I have, obviously, I have Umar Nemeghamedov winning that fight, um, but we just, like, we just saw Adrian Giannis um, actually crack the top 15 now, but if Umar wins and he has another great showing, you know, we're going to start thinking, like, man, he's got to get it, he's got to get, he's got to crack 15 as well. There's other guys that are coming up. We also have Saeed Nemeghamedov coming up in that band. So if he has a great performance in his win, um, then you got to start thinking about him. So, like, if you look at the top 15 of UFC rankings, some, some guys are going to have to drop off. I, I mean, I know AK's in here and his love for Frankie Edgar will always be in his heart. And I understand that too. But I, even he have to admit like, yo, you got to start, you got to take Frankie Edgar, Edgar out of there. Uh, at, at some point he's going to have to drop off because one of these guys, they're going to have to start getting, getting to the top 15. I mean, I mean, we got, we're gonna have to start getting these guys in there. Kyler Phillips, at some point, he's gonna get booked. He wins. He's got to get in there at some point. I mean, Victor Henry. I know he only has one fight, but he, he has an impressive win over uh, Barcelos. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, which guys? I'm not saying that deserves, but if they if those prospects um, have emphatic wins coming up here, who who are you putting? In, who are you taking out in that top fifteen and putting in? Because one of these, guys, like many of these guys, I know how deep the banterweight division is, but they're gonna they're gonna have to just start. You, you, I mean, maybe they're gonna have to start facing each one another to start breaking through. But you know, because and after, I'm really high on Umar and the Mega Metal. I'm like, man, it's gonna be tough beating that guy. So, just your thoughts on that on that whole scenario. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and uh, to address my other question about. O'Malley versus Janes. there's so there's time to do that fight. Maybe O'Malley wants it. Maybe O'Malley, if he beats Budios, I get on the mic and call out Yana's out. And typically what O'Malley wants or what O'Malley suggests could happen. He gets. So maybe O'Malley starts a campaign where he's just calling out Janes and putting all the focus on Janes and going on his podcast and just talking about Adrian Janes. And if he does that, chances are he'll probably get that fight. Because the UFC typically does what he wants them to do. It uh, might take a minute to get there, but typically that's what happens. I love the Giannis Cody Garbrandt fight. It was the great suggestion on, on to the next one. I know Garbrandt was supposed to fight Hadi Yaya on July 9th. Yaya's out. There is hope from the Garbrandt side. Maybe we can reschedule that fight for. UFC 278 on August 20th doesn't appear like that's a likely thing that's going to happen. So let's just do Yanez versus Cody Garbrandt on that car. That's a great fight. That's a great name for Yanez to have on the resume. He'd be a big favorite. I know it's the polar opposite of the Yaya fight, which a lot of people were like, okay, this is, this is the right thing to do, but without Yaya on the table right now, unless Garbrandt just wants to wait till like September, October to fight him, That's fine too. But if, Garbrandt wants to come back and fight in the next couple of months. He wants to fight on that August 20th card. He's going to have to fight probably a Yanis or someone of that nature. Now, you mentioned Umar Tamargamadov, who is, it's, it's just crazy to look at this betting line right now. Nate Manis, undefeated in the UFC, He's got finishes in his last two fights. Umar Tamargamadov, a minus 900 favorite against a very game Nate Manis. Very interesting matchup. And, yeah, that's that's a stunning betting line. Speaking of betting lines, Armand Sarukian now up to a minus 300 favorite against Matush Gamrot, who comes back at plus 250. So, yeah, Bantamweight is super fun right now. I don't know who gets the boot. I mean, if Umar just goes out there and just annihilates Nate Manis, maybe he jumps Giannis. I mean, who else – you're not going to take Frankie out right now. It might get to a point where inactivity gets him out, but Frank, it's not like Frankie hasn't fought in two years. He fought in November, and he was winning that fight until he got knocked out by Marlon Vera in a lot of people's eyes. So Frankie could still go. It was just a bad knockout he suffered, and then the photo that surfaced afterwards was just a very sad thing. But, yeah, Bantamweight rules. I love it. All right, James, then Dom. What's up, James? James, are you there? Try again, James. We'll get you back. We'll get you in here. Uh, Where's Dom? There's Dom. What's up, Dom? I got you, man.
4: Um, I just wanted to go back to the Nate Diaz thing. Why Why is Dana so reluctant for the idea of, like, a co-promotion? Like, do it, like doing the Mayweather-McGregor thing again. It would be nowhere near as big. They wouldn't do the, the world tours. But they have an opportunity there to get Nate on side, have it be Nate and Dana versus Jake Paul, have, it, have lots more eyes on the UFC. I just think there's a massive opportunity there to get Nate back on side and get what you want and what he wants. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that and why he wouldn't do that. And also, um, Happy Birthday, A.K.
2: I love it. I love how the Happy Birthday, A.K. continues to get over. I here's here's what I think, and it makes sure it makes sense. Let's co-promote and all that stuff. But then Dana's gonna be around Jake all week, and he's gonna have to deal with the the back and forth and stuff like that. Which I don't think Dana really minds. What I think he does mind is, I don't think he's very confident they can win. I mean, I'd favor Jake. I mean, I love Nate, and I would love to see that fight, and I think Nate presents some very interesting problems for Jake Paul from, like, a volume level. Like, he's not going to be like Woodley and pick his shots and take his time, because that that fight in December was a stinker. I was there. It was bad. I, I was ready to trot Frank Gore and Darren Williams back out there again, okay, because those two went after it, and they brawled, and it was super fun. But Woodley Paul, too, was horrible until the knockout. It was bad, bad, really bad. And it's one thing to have former champions and former fighters on the roster no longer under UFC contract, go in and fight Jake Paul and lose. Like, you can deal with that. You could spin it a certain way if you're Dana in the UFC. But if you are accompanying Nate Diaz to msg or whatever to go fight jake paul and jake stops nate like he beats nate or knocks him out i don't think he would knock he's just so much bigger than nate so nate's at a disadvantage there size wise and it would be i'd watch the hell out of it but i'd have to favor jake to win that fight and i think dana probably feels the same way he doesn't want to sit there and have his company represented against Jake Paul one because it's a circus and it's kind of silly and two what if what if his guy loses what if his guy loses and he's got yoke on his face for a long time and that's probably where where Dane is coming from in this sense and I know Jake's I don't know if his kind of manager is his, his MVP guy is his his co-promoter, if you will. He used to work for the UFC, worked in the finance departments. Doesn't seem like the relationship's all that good. So yeah. That's that's what I think it is. I think I don't think Dana has the confidence that Nate will win that fight. Otherwise, maybe he would co-promote it. I don't know. All right, let's get let's see if we can get James back in here, and then Don, you're on deck. What's up, James? Hey, good
7: morning, Mike. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. For some reason, when I pressed the mic off button, my fingers must have been too All sticky. Good? But um, I'm i know I'm, I'm gonna butcher this name, but the guy fighting Neil Magny this weekend, Shirkov Rachmanov. Um, close. Sh- yeah, Shafcott Rachmanov. Okay, I can't roll my Rs. I'm terrible at that. But um, if he, you know, puts on a hell performance against Neil Magny, um, can you see the UFC maybe booking him and Shemaya since those two guys are kind of hard, hard for them to find fights? Or do you think I'll just keep that fight on the back burner and maybe use it when one of them becomes champion? And, um, shoot, I had another question for you, Mike, and I forgot. But uh, anyway, have a heck of a morning, man. Thank you.
2: Thanks, James. But the good news is, if you remember your question tomorrow, you could come back on the show because we're going every day this week uh, for the rest of it, 10 a.m. Eastern. So you could bring that question tomorrow if you'd like. Rachmaninoff, I I would be – there's no way they're going to book him with Shemayev, at least not right away. Because the UFC, UFC, despite their faults, and uh, sometimes they'll wait too long to book fights, and sometimes it's not their fault. Like we saw Colby Mazadal too late. We saw Colby Woodley too late. Maybe we have sort of a constant in there. Maybe that's the reason why things couldn't get done. Sometimes they wait a little too long for these fights to happen, and they do, and sometimes they deliver, sometimes they don't. Chuck Liddell, Vandale Silva was a fight we were waiting for so long to get to, and we finally got it. It was still fun, but it was just two guys that clearly weren't at their best selves. So, the UFC once in a while will drop the ball on that. But oftentimes, they're actually really good at building things up. They're good at striking when the iron is at its hottest. And Rachmanov, Shemaev is something you have to build up, unfortunately, because Rachmanov is an enigma, he's a mystery. I think people are starting to come around to seeing how good he is. And if he goes out there and just beats Dale Magny, that is a great win to have on your resume. That's an impressive win. And he'll probably get a big fight after that, but it won't be Shamaya because I think Shamaya is waiting in the wings to fight for the title. Maybe Shamaya gets an Nate Diaz fight. If Shamaya fights again, it's going to be against Nate. And if he doesn't fight again, he's going to get the winner of Usman Edwards because what else does the band need to do? Now I know Bilal Muhammad and his team will probably disagree with me, but there's just, no, there's just no reward for shamayev to fight Bilal Muhammad right now. There just isn't. Like, he's already accomplished everything. The only reward there is is just, like, if he's bored and wants to fight. And Bilal's really good. He's on a nice little streak right now. And if he beats Bilal, it literally does nothing for him. And if he loses to Bilal, it's really hard to spin that into something positive. Losing to Gilbert Burns in a fight like that, if, like, if he had lost that split decision to Burns, that would have stung for sure. But a fight with Bilal is not going to, I just don't see it being like that. I don't think it'll be that exciting. It's going to, it's either going to be Bilal just wrestling Shamaya for five rounds or three rounds, however long that fight lasts. And he gets the win, which is fine. That's what it's all about in this pay structure is getting the win and getting the second half of your paycheck or Shamaya just runs him over, which is good for Shamaya, but it literally does nothing for him. So, but Nate, you get that name, you get the buzz. I mean, that's just a massive fight. That, if they put that fight on the UFC 278 card, that's what's selling the tickets. That's what's getting the pay-per-view buys. It won't be the main event. It's Shamayev, Nate, two guys who are two of the top five's right now biggest stars in the entire company. Both are bigger than Kamaru Usman, in my opinion, although Usman's probably in the top five, but Nate and Shamayev are more more of a bigger draw than Usman is right now. And that's not a bad thing. Usman's still probably in the top five, top six and doing just fine for himself. But yeah, they're going to keep Rachmanov and Shamayev away from each other for a little while, but maybe I don't know. Maybe that's, that's where Wonderboy slides in, which don't love that idea if you're Wonderboy, but I mean you can't really be picky here. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what you – maybe that's the, that's where Sean Brady ends up. Who knows? Who knows what happens? But you got to get by Neil Magny. And it's not going to be easy to do, and it's going to be a good fight. Really good fight. Let's get Don Kuzan
8: in here. What's hey, up, man? How you doing, Mike? Uh, heck of a morning to you, man. This is my first time getting on any of these. I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of everything MMA fighting does. It's great. Y'all keep cracking it out. Um, I just wanted to say two things. One, uh, free Nate Diaz, man. we saying free Kane. We need, free, we need to free Nate Diaz, too, because it just don't make no sense. Like you said, uh, the last uh, heck of a morning, it's petty, man. Just let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Just be – he's already a star. Everybody knows Nate. You watch MMA, even outside of MMA, just because of his antics, let him go and make some big money. Let him go do his thing. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, the UFC London card. I know it's coming up against a little ways down the way. I wanted to know who your picks were for uh, Tom Aspinall versus Curtis Blaze. And do you think this fight between Darren Till and Hermanson, is this make or break? Will the Smash Bros prevail? Is this make or break for Darren Till? I don't think so. I mean, he lost two, uh, coming off two losses. But I don't know. There, there's a win like this. What what, is it, what does this do for Darren Till? Thanks, Mike. Love you, buddy. Keep doing your thing,
2: man. You're killing it, brother. Thank you, Don. You're the man. Thanks for hopping on. Love the first-timers. Appreciate that very much. Um, yeah, free Nate. This is just all stupid, especially now that Dana has come up publicly and basically said this guy over the last five years has stunk and he's hard to deal with and he should go fight Jake Paul. I mean, you literally said those things. So, if that's how you really feel, then... Put your money where your mouth is. Release the man or give him a fight. They should just give him a freaking fight. Put him on July, the July 30th card. Put him on the August 20th card. Either one. Just put him on one of these cards and let him fight. Otherwise, release him. Put him on the 277 card or the 278 card or let him go. Let him go fight Jake Paul. That's it. Enough is enough. London. London. I favor Curtis Blades to beat Tommy Aspinall. But the hometown thing, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And I know Curtis has learned to relish the heel role and being the villain and the underdog. And he's not going to be an underdog in this fight, but you know what I mean? The the guy that's not as liked as his opponents, I feel like that happens in a lot of Curtis's fights. But in this case, it's going to be out there And we'll just see how Curtis sort of deals with the pressure and deals with the fan noise and all that stuff. And maybe he'll just pounce all over it and he'll enjoy it. But, I mean, skill for skill, experience-wise, I mean, Curtis is tough to beat. And I think Curtis Curtis needs this one because he just – he's almost undeniable at this point. You're trying to find ways to not give him the title fight. And I get it because you're holding out hope that we get Stipe John Jones – we're holding out hope that Tai Tuivasa beats Cyril Gan because he's becoming a star, and you want to book the biggest fights possible, I get that. You want to get likable figures, like really likable figures in there fighting against the best of the best. And Curtis is so good, he just doesn't get the the love and the admiration they probably deserves, at least up to where his skill set is, because Curtis Blades is a great fighter. He's a great fighter, and I would... On it, like you can make a case. I mean, he's lost to Francis twice, so he's not the best heavyweight in the world right now. But you can make a strong case he's number two because I would favor him to beat Stipe. I would favor him to beat John Jones. I know that's a hot take, but I'd favor Curtis Blades to beat John Jones right now. I would favor Curtis to beat Ass. I favor Curtis to beat Cyril Gaon, Taito, all of them. He's that good, so I will continue to favor Curtis in these situations, but. That hometown rub is is a real thing. We saw it in Aspinall's last fight. And then with Darren Till, make or break, we're pretty darn close. I don't know if I'm ready to say 100% it's make or break for Darren Till, but if this guy wants to become a world champion and accomplish his dreams and have his visions come to life of being a world champion, he's got to beat Jack Herbanson. He has to beat him. He can't lose to Jack Herbanson. He just can't do it, especially in England, especially in front of a hometown crowd. This is not teed up, but it's about as good as it can get. And yeah, it's about as close to a must win as, as you can have. That's for sure. Let's get toke. Then we'll get, a we'll get a Australian talk and then we'll get Jimmy Wang Yang. And then we'll go up and down the line. Toke. What's up, buddy.
9: Um, so I'm, uh, I'm gonna, gonna ask you first about, uh, odds. So what, uh, I'm wondering, I know you're not a better, but if you look up and down this card, uh, this weekend, what is the clearest value to you? And I will, uh, I will uh, let give you a bit of time to actually find the odds. But for me, it's definitely Chris Curtis. Him being minus one thirty-five against a one-dimensional specialist who has one-round cardio seems insane to only be one thirty-five. So that's mine. And then I would ask you, why do you want to kill Cody Garbrandt's career completely? Um, what I mean by that, um, listen, there's a reason that they wanted him to get Ronnie Yaya. It's because, you know, he we can't see him get knocked out one more time. He He's going to be out of the sport, Marlon style, if that happens. So it's kind of, this was the last shot to kind of redeem him to get him against a very – a guy that won't knock him out. And if he does, then it's definitely over. But, you know, getting him in there against probably the only boxer in UFC that's better than Cody Garbrandt seems like mm, a bad idea. So, yeah, uh, the best value odds-wise and then
2: Cody Garbrandt. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, listen – I'm not trying to kill anybody's career here. But it all depends. To me, if I was advising young Cody Garbrandt on what to do next, I would have him wait for whenever Hani Yaya is ready to come back. If it's the fall, September, October, whenever, wait. Wait for that man. If you don't want to wait and you want a big fight, it's Giannis. That's they're not, he's not going to get anybody high up in the rankings. That's what he gets. And that's, Giannis has some buzz right now. So, I mean, the risk reward factor, you weigh it up, put them both on the scale. It's there for Cody. It's there. He's got the experience, former world champion. He's been in there with better competition than Adrian Giannis. For sure. It's not even close. He's been in there with better competition than Adrian Giannis. Like, it's, it's night and day. You could stop some buzz. Get your own back. It just depends. If I'm like I said, like if I'm advising him, just wait. Don't be pay don't be impatient. Just wait for Yaya to come back. Figure out that fight. Make it work. But if he wants to fight, if it's like, no, I'm fighting August twentieth and that's it. I wanna fight on that pay per view. I don't care who it's against, you do the Giannis fight. I think that's that's a great fight for both guys. And yeah, I know it's sad for Garbrandt considering how these last few fights went, but I like that idea. Best value on this car? God, I mean, Curtis is a good value at minus 135. I'll I'll give you that because the guy just doesn't stop. You can't finish him. You can't put him away. Vieira looked great in his last fight. Showed, I'm not ready to be like, oh, this guy's a cardio machine, but he looked real good and he was getting stronger as the fight went on before he got his finish. And Chris is just on a roll right now. I actually don't love this matchup at all for Chris, but if he can keep this thing extended and just not get stopped quickly, I think he'll win. So there is value of minus 135. Let me see what else we got here.
6: Hmm.
2: Maybe some value on Neil Magny at plus 320. I mean, I'm favoring Rachmanino to win. Vanessa Demopoulos at plus 220 looks really interesting to me because I think this is I think this is a 50-50 fight with Jin Yu Fry. And Jin's look good. Demopolis has a lot of buzz right now. She's got a lot of momentum coming off that come-from-behind submission win over Sylvania Gomez-Juarez, who herself, after UFC 275, she's got a little bit of momentum going on in her own right. I mean, this this has 50-50 written all over it. Demopolis is a scrapper. Jinjin Jin scrap too. I don't think I don't think Jin's a -260 type of favorite against a lot of fighters in this division. I'd favor her to win, but there's definitely value at +220 on Vanessa Demopoulos in my eyes. So yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at. I have to dig deeper into the props to see, but I mean, Holly on Piva plus +120 it's not bad, but Demopolis at +220, that one really stands out to me. All right, Australian talk. What's up, buddy? Wheel is spinning. Do we have you? Yeah, you've got me, Mike. G'day, mate. Um, thanks, buddy.
10: Uh, looking back with hindsight,
6: was Prohaska
10: Glover a better fight than Gustafson John Jones won?
6: Has Taito Ibarza mm. got the strongest lower leg kicks in the entire UFC? And does
10: Conor McGregor owe RDA the red panty fight
2: as his comeback fight? Hmm. Thank you. Australian talk some real good questions there. I don't think Conor fights RDA next. RDA has got his hands full already. Maybe if he beats Fazeev and calls for that Conor fight, maybe he gets it, but I don't see it happening. I don't know what they're going to do with Conor when he comes back. Mazdal's a good idea. Diaz, if they could somehow work that out, is a great idea. There's ways you can go with this. Maybe you could do... I mean, you could always do the Poirier fight. You could... I mean, depending on what happens next week, you could do Max Holloway, too. There's lots of... You could do Justin Gaethje. There's there's so many ways you can go with the Connor thing. I don't think it'll be RDA. Maybe we'll see who has a little bit of buzz at that point. I don't know. It's a great question. The... Ty Vasa leg kick question. He's up there. Jared Cannoneer's leg kicks are ridiculous. Those things, I mean, they just melt you. They just melt you. Sheesh. Yeah, those things absolutely melt you. But, yeah, there's there's a lot to break down. I actually forgot your first question, but maybe Jimmy Yang can help me out, and then we'll take yours. Jimmy, do you remember what the first question was? I'm losing my mind here. Mike, good morning. What's up, buddy? How,
11: how, uh, how you doing? Good. How are I'm you? good. So I wanted to, uh, first, he, he ain't take my point. He just said, he said the same thing I was going to say. Uh, Dana, you, you, you went crazy on Nate talking about, oh, he's only won five fights in the last, whatever, whatever. Conor did the same thing and you going to give him a title shot. But I think that that's all that money stuff. I think if, if they pay fighters more, you wouldn't have people like Oliveira looking at Connor as opposed to actually fighting, you know, somebody else that deserves it. And then has anybody ever looked into why Kobe went from the quad good dude that he was to this suit? Now, I don't want to say political because I, I think it's a gimmick. This what he chose to, to just had his gimmick. I think that's another, like, I think you got to blame that on the UFC because they told him, like, no matter win or lose this fight, you're being kicked out. And that's like Kobe been a good fighter from a fighting standpoint. I don't think he ever deserved to be kicked out like he's one of the best welterweights in the world. I think you got to put some of the blame on the UFC for this little gimmick that he put on because he wanted to keep his job. Have a good morning.
2: Thanks buddy. Yeah, I mean the Connor thing's just silly, and I think I mean when we're comparing Connor to Nate and how (laughs) how he's perceived, it's just it's just so dumb. It's just so dumb. But the big thing is Connor has more than one fight left on his deal. So they're not gonna drag him through the mud like they are with Nate. Nate has one fight left on his deal. They want him to sign for longer. Nate's like, nah, I don't want to. I have other options. And who knows, maybe, maybe Nate does sign an extension of some kind. Who knows? It's still kind of early in the equation, but, I mean, if, if you're just not giving him, like, the whole thing, just give him a fight or boot him at this point. I mean, I just, it's so dumb. It's just so stupid. I, I just, God, it drives me insane. It just drives me insane. So silly. What's up, Ben? Hey,
12: what's going on, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, I wasn't able to come in live yesterday, but I was able to listen, and I'm glad this is going on all week. which is super cool. Two questions. First, I just got an alert on Instagram or like a post. I just saw a post about UFC 189, and I was wondering if you could talk about your memories from that fight week and the fight night itself because it was incredible. And then my second question is, as this is coming up on July 2nd, I'm a huge Sean O'Malley fan and I've heard you talk about him before. And you always talk about that. He's talented, but I was wondering what do you think his true ceiling is? Do you think he'll ever be champion? Cause I think he will be the champ.
2: Thanks for the time. Thanks buddy. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with O'Malley. Look, the, the guy's incredibly talented. The guy's incredibly talented. The one thing I think might hold him back slightly is, and I have no insight into this whatsoever. He just seems kind of difficult to deal with. He has no problem just going on social media or going and doing an interview and just turning on the UFC. I mean, he's done it many times. If he doesn't get what he wants, he will call the company out. He'll do it. Talks about money all the time, and the UFC doesn't look upon that favorably. So... I mean, I think he might be his own worst enemy in that sense. But I think the sky's the limit for O'Malley. I got to see, like, the Marlon Vera fight gave me some pause for sure. We've seen him take leg kicks and just not respond well to them. So I'm curious to see what happens if Pedro Munoz, who throws really good leg kicks, comes with that approach. Can he be effective with those leg kicks? Can he get O'Malley moving backwards? Can he get him kind of fighting more normal, I guess? But if he can't can't get those things going, and I could probably say this about most opponents, if you can't kick him in the legs and send him a message in that way, he's going to be a problem. He's going to be tough to beat. His length, his size, he's an issue. He's a big issue for a lot of these guys at 135. So we'll see. I think he's, he's his own worst enemy. He's his own toughest opponent. He gets it his own way sometimes, and the UFC typically doesn't like guys like that, no matter how popular you are. Look at Nate Diaz, for God's sake. But O'Malley's definitely got a very high ceiling. No doubt about that. UFC 189, God, what a card that was. I have to go back and like just remember all the greatness from that card. But the main card was just sensational. It was just so good. Thomas Almeida, flying knee. Gunnar Nelson just runs through Brandon Thatch. Remember Brandon Thatch? Remember Brandon Thatch? The high hopes everybody had for Brandon Thatch. And then it just, boom, just went away so quick. Jeremy Stevens, Der- Dennis Bermudez was crazy. Another flying knee. And then, of course, we get one of the all time great fights ever Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald. Roy McDonald was really never the same after that fight. He's had his ups and downs had his good moments and bad, but that fight really changed everything for Roy McDonald. And you could say that about a lot of guys who fought Robbie Lawler. Carlos Kahn did another guy, and you could say that Carlos did the same thing to Robbie Lawler. That run for Robbie Lawler was incredible. Every fight Robbie had was a barn burner. It was ridiculous. (laughs) That fight with Roy McDonald. If you've never seen that fight, get out of here and go watch it. UFC 189, co-made event, Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald. Holy cow! And then of course, Conor McGregor against Chad Mendez. What's going to happen when Conor fights a wrestler who keeps taking him down? We saw it. Connor dealt with it, knocks out Mendez in the second round. It's crazy, just a crazy event. Really, really solid. Of course, Mendez took that fight on short notice. We got to keep that in mind because it's supposed to be Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. Mendez steps in. They do an interim title. It was a big moment for McGregor. Biggest win of his career. And then that set up, obviously, what happened a few months later when he fought Jose Aldo and had the quick, insane knockout that I'll never forget watching live. But, yeah, that event was phenomenal. It ruled. It was so good. And I can't wait to go to Vegas to see this International Flight Week, my friends. Terrence, you're up. Then Tony. Then Brian Cashman. Terrence, us up?
13: Hey, what's up, Mike? How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, so, I wanted to start off by saying, like, I know we're talking a lot about Connor today, but, like, the question I originally had was Connor and, like, his next fight. Two names that people aren't mentioning, which will sound silly, but I think it's a possibility. And they're both people that Connor respects. One of them being um, the person he already fought, which is Jose Aldo. The second person, even though they're 135ers, um, and then the second would be Frankie. I know AK will hate that. Um, but those two names, I think, as far as like people like, oh, he needs cowboy-type fights and people with names, I think if Jose loses, or even if he wins, um, they can go that route. And if they tell Frankie, like, hey, you can sit out if you want this to be a retirement fight or what have you, like to thank you and sing you off, I think that will be one. The second question in regards to Connor. Um, they always talked about like, oh, when he was supposed to come over, he originally wanted to do 155, but they didn't have any room for him in 155, so he went 145. How do you think that would have went for him? Would we see Connor McGregor as to the point he is right now? Uh, would he have lost steam along the way? Um, and then the last one is more for AK Lee. I want to know how he did um, this past week, when it came to betting, and will we have another um, No Bet Spart this week? Being that Jet is off, that's it. Thank you.
2: Thanks, buddy. Uh, I think we will have a No Bet Spart. I think it's gonna be the original lineup. Connor Burks, I believe, is back. So I think it'll just be a, a normal show. And I think it might drop today, maybe tomorrow. I'm not really sure, but we'll get AK's response to how he did in a matter of moments. The Connor stuff, he ain't fighting Frankie. He ain't fighting Aldo. He'll, I don't think he ever fights Aldo again. It would make—it would have made sense a while ago, but there's just no way you can make that fight any better. You can't do it any better. And Aldo's been making weight very healthy at 135, and he's looked stupendous. And if he beats Barab, he's fighting for the title. So I like Gaethje. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. I like maybe Holloway if he loses the ball. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways you can go with this. You could do Maz at all. That'd be a very big deal. I don't know. You gotta be smart with it. You gotta, it's tough because you have to try to get, you have to try to book him a win. And I don't know if there's like that Cowboy Cerrone-esque type figure out there where you get a guy with the name, but you're pretty confident that he'll win if that makes sense. So yeah, I, I, I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. I don't know. I don't think he'll ever lose the steam. I think he'll there's there'll always be a mistake with him. I think it starts to lose a little bit of momentum, but not much. I mean, when Connor does come back after getting pretty much run over by Dustin Poirier in two consecutive fights, and I know the the second fight in this past July, I know it ended in a in a pretty awful way, but it just seemed like all sides are pointing to things. are just going to get worse for Connor and that Dustin was going to put him away in the second anyway. So to me, it just wasn't going to go well, but Connor's still going to do a million plus pay per view buys no matter who we fight. So I don't know. AK, do you want to answer that question?
10: Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Excuse me guys. I'm a little sick. Oh, Hey Mike, great show as always. Uh, Ter- Hi, Terrence, thanks for checking in on me. Uh, I-, I came out in the minus. As, as far as uh, the betting goes. Uh, and I will say, though, I don't, I don't need to uh, break it down here, Mike. I will be. Uh, I actually am on this episode of uh, No Bets Bard. I'm right at the beginning. So what? I'm right at the beginning. So it's great. You got to hear from, I, I got to team up with the, with the wonderful Jed and also Connor Burks. Uh, first time I've ever done a show with Connor. So that was exciting. But uh, yeah, you guys, will get a full breakdown. I'll just say a couple of things. First of all, uh, Chris Lee screwed me. Uh, not my brother, not my not my brother, the judge, Chris Lee. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not happy about that. Like many, I got screwed by that round four score. And uh, Gregory Rodriguez, uh, <clears throat> stop mixing the martial stop not mixing the martial arts the wrong way. I want I need to see if he had just gone to his jiu-jitsu, Mike, if he had just gone to his jiu-jitsu. My betting slips would have looked a lot the results of my betting slips would a lot would have looked a lot different, but uh that's all I'll say for now guys. definitely check out that episode, yeah, either I think probably dropping today or on thursday and uh I, I don't want to take up more of the the listener time but uh i'm not, i I was not happy.
2: What a guy that's my best friend folks. maybe in the minus on the betting slips at the betting window, but always plus money in our hearts. Let's get Tony the Tiger in here. Are you there, Tony? Just make sure you're on mute and I think we might have you. Are you there, Tony? Uh, do hear you. Try again. We'll get you right in, Tony. I promise. All right. Let's get Brian in here.
4: What's up, buddy? Good morning to
3: you.
2: You too, my friend. All
3: right. So uh, just got to say one thing. I'm sick of all this Nate Diaz talk because we're going to say the same things and nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to bring up someone really relevant that I know you'll want to talk about, uh, Henry Cejudo. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I'm not talking about him. But uh, a question I had to ask is like, with these deep divisions, 155 and 135, I feel like they got to make like a top 25 for these rankings because- I mean Adrian Yanez is a number 15. I love that guy. I love watching him. I'll watch his interviews all the time, but if you if you look at the guys below him, I mean I just think like Jack Shore, even Ricky Simone, the Medov guys, like they I don't think he matches up well against them at all. So uh, I just want to hear your take on that. Thank you and heck of a morning.
2: Thanks buddy. Yeah, those two divisions are so deep and so strong. I'd love to see a top 25. I don't think it's going to happen. It's just such a mix and match at 135 right now because you still have – you still got the Frankie Edgars in there, and we still get some of the veterans at the top. And we have just – I mean, you could throw – there's like 12 to 15 guys she could throw in that 15 spot right now. And I know Sean Elshadi likes to use the term hot potato when describing the light heavyweight title right now. But I feel like that number 15 spot is gonna be like a hot potato. I feel like if Umar Nurmagomedov Madoff just goes out there and steamrolls Nate Maynis, I think Adrian Giannis probably gets knocked out of that spot and Umar takes it. And then when Adrian fights again, maybe he takes it back. Or maybe the next guy comes up, maybe he takes it back. I mean, we still get guys like I'm just trying to throw some bait like Chris Gutierrez isn't ranked, and he's on a great run right now. I mean, there's lots there's lots of guys at 35 that that deserve a ranking spot. And Giannis is just the the flavor of the the week right now. And he gets in there, and we'll see if Umar does his thing. And if he does, I'm curious to see how the wonderful and very intelligent UFC rankings committee handles that. Let's see if we can get Tony back in here. Take two. Can we get him? Tony the Tiger. It's great. Tony, I think I hear you. What's up, buddy? How are
14: you doing? Yes, sir good how are you uh, heck of a morning um I honestly think that you should embrace that more I think that you're forming a community and you've got a lot of folks and uh, like every other call people are saying heck of a morning you kind of just hang there so maybe there's an opportunity to you know uh, build on that a little bit more because uh, there's momentum building for sure I got two questions for you um one on the heavyweight side and then one on the strawweight side um I feel like Francis Ngannou's contract situation is so much more of a deal than anything going on with Nate Diaz, but we seem to be talking about Nate Diaz a lot more. What is the status on Ngannou and um, the interim uh, championship fight that Jones and uh, Stipe are looking at? And then my other question is, is, is Carla Esparza really injured? And what are the chances that she does not fight uh, Zewi? Um, uh, jang um next i heard there was talks about october um but she's trying to push off i don't think there's any chance regardless of who she fights she wins so i wonder if that's what the uh the cause for the possible delay is that's all i got thanks
2: thanks buddy so with the francis thing nothing no update no nothing i know francis wants that tyson fury fight, and he has said multiple times and i believe him when he says this if you want to resign me, I'll resign, but that has to be part of the package. So we talked about co-promotion and things like that before. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to co-promote. I don't think Dana will, but there's an opportunity there. Why not? Like Francis, Tyson Fury is—he's freaking Tyson Fury. Who expects Francis and Gano to go in there and beat Tyson Fury? Francis just shows up and steps into the ring with that guy. Like that's just a win in itself. And that's the way Francis is sort of handling this. Like, I know he says he's going to go knock him out. He's not going to say, Oh, this will be a nice experience to have Tyson just piece me up. But we kind of know what's going to happen in that fight. We kind of know. And Francis will make a giant bag of money, which is even better than all of those things. So no movement on the Francis front. I have a feeling we won't hear about anything until maybe the fourth quarter of the year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll do some interviews. Maybe he'll provide some own updates on his YouTube channel. Maybe he'll go on the MBA hour. But nothing to report at this time. Same thing with interim title, Stipe, John Jones. Nothing to report at this time. Both men seem to want it in September. I know Stipe was like, I want to fight in September. There's a glaring spot at the top of that card in September. I know there is all the signs are pointing towards Al Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. That's probably not going to headline that card, so you have to think the UFC is going to put on the proverbial full-court press to try to do Stipe John Jones as the main event of that card in a location yet to be announced. I know Boston is in the running for that card, so it is possible. I think Anaheim is also in the running for that card, but i We'll see what happens with that, but again, nothing that I've heard in that regard, and the Carla Sparza thing, look, she says she's tired, I buy it. I buy it. Long camp getting ready for Rose. The fight wasn't all that thrilling. She may have gotten hurt in some of those exchanges on the ground. I mean, who knows? Doesn't sound like anything tremendously serious, but something that is going to require some time, and she should get time. She's not wrong. Like, I know a lot of people read headlines and say Marina Rodriguez deserves a shot over Zhang Wei Lee. And then if you actually like read the quotes, Carla's not wrong. Like Marina's resume right now in terms of like, if this is Bellator, it would be Carlos Barza versus Marina Rodriguez without question. It would not be Zhang Lee. It would be, Marina Rodriguez. From a meritocratic standpoint, Marina should be the guy, the gal. Excuse me, she should be the gal to fight for the title because she's on this long winning streak. She's got all these wins. She's got to win over the former champion already. Or no, she didn't. She lost split decision, but a lot of people felt she won that fight. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not wrong, and I don't think like this narrative that she's scared to fight John Waley is just crazy. But I also get where she's coming from, like. If I'm going to fight Zhang, like I'm not, I don't want to go to Abu Dhabi to fight her. It's not like I'm not going to let her dictate the terms. You have to have, you may not have a lot of leverage, but you might have a smidge of it, and you need to use it. Why, in your first title offense, why would you want to travel to Abu Dhabi and do what the challenger wants? Like, I still think if the UFC offers her Zhang Wei Li in November, December, she's going to say yes and sign it and go. Like. I just don't think she wants to – she doesn't want to give Zhang what she wants and just say October, closer to where you lived. She wants to say my date, my time, my location. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But from a meritocratic standpoint, Zhang Weili is one in two in her last three fights, and Marina is not. So I get where she's coming from, but she's not also saying, like, I'm not fighting Zhang Weili. I'm the champion. I can do whatever I want. She's just saying – Look, John, let's fight in October. I don't think I'm going to be ready in October. It's not up to her. It's up to me. And that's it. And I don't blame her for that. Zeke. What's up, buddy?
12: Good morning, Mike. How are we?
2: Good, how are you? I'm all right,
12: man. I'm going to be short and quick here. I want to kind of pile on what you were just talking about. And then I want to look into July 2nd. I want to skip over this card. Nah. Coming up this weekend, if that's possible. Uh, First things first, I have a feeling that uh, Whaley Zhang is coming for blood. I have a feeling that she has a lot of things unproven in this strawweight division. I think that Whaley Zhang, oh my God, Whaley Zhang right now, if that matchup was to be booked, could maybe even close from a betting perspective at possibly minus three to 400 in that matchup. I know that's absurd to say, but I just don't think that Carla. Rose uh, matchup is going to, you know, fare well for the eyes of, you know, the beholder, the eyes of the fans, the people who are like, well, that's our Stroy champion. You know, that wasn't really the best championship performance, to say the least, in my humble opinion, obviously. Uh, and I just think Whaley has every way in the world to damage and harm Carla, especially with her takedown defense. Uh, secondly, we got a little Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz matchup coming up. I'm extremely excited if you couldn't hear, you know, the way I'm talking about it. Sean's one of my favorite fighters for sure. What is your thought process there? Uh, I hopefully think Sean can can take care of him. I don't know if he puts him out, but I expect a striking show. Uh, you know, maybe it'll be a little less damage, a little more like Chris Metunia, uh, Metunio. Matunio. Metunio. I don't want to ruin my man's name. I know he was just released, but he put up, you know, took a lot of damage and kept walking forward. So kind of expect Pedro to do the same, but uh, what are your, uh, what are your, you know, humble opinions there? Thank you for having me, Mike.
2: Thanks buddy. Yeah. I'll focus on the O'Malley Munoz fights. Great fight. It's the fight that should be made. Makes perfect sense. I love it. I like the Ricky Sabone idea too, but this is, this is how you build O'Malley. You put him against a guy that everybody knows who's tough and he's durable. And he presents some issues that have been a hindrance to O'Malley in the past. But he also from the other side of things, O'Malley has some clear advantages over Munoz as well. So I love, I like the fight. I'm curious to see whose game plan gets off better. If Munoz can start scoring with those light kicks and really get O'Malley switching stances and making him uncomfortable, he's got a chance to win And it's not like a lot of people, I've heard people say that O'Malley will just, but Munoz just has to be super tough and just kind of gas himself out. O'Malley's not going to gas himself out. He'll just keep beating you up. If he gets an advantage and he starts surging, he starts getting off, he's just going to keep getting off. He's just going to keep throwing punches and kicks. He's going to land. He's going to hurt you. But Munoz is a great opponent. I love the fight. I favor O'Malley to win. I just think he has more weapons. I think that size, that length, the reach, all that is going to be an issue for Pedro Munoz, like it is for most guys he fights. But curious to see if Pedro wrestles a little bit. But the leg kicks, that's huge. And I know O'Malley knows they're coming. But if Munoz starts mixing the martial arts, as AK says, maybe feinting some takedowns, landing those leg kicks, finishing multi-shot combos with leg kicks... He's got a chance to win, so I'm not counting Pager out. Love the matchup. It's the exact fight to make. All right, so I got Pastor. We'll go to Pastor here. Pastor, what's up? Pastor, you got to unmute. I don't hear you. All right, try again if you'd like. Taylor, come on in. Taylor, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Mike. What's up, buddy? Uh, going back to this Sean O'Malley, Pedro
14: Munoz fight, I absolutely love um, O'Malley's nickname of Freeland Pedro. And I want to know what's your favorite nickname that uh, another fighter is given a rival? Because for me, it's Joanna No Jack and Colby Covington.
2: That's a good question. Um hmm. that's a good one. I gotta think about that one. I gotta think about that one. I'll answer that one tomorrow. Alright, see if we get Pastor in here, then Chad, the Johnny Woo, then Gunwood. Pastor, are you there? Unmute. I think we got you. What's up, buddy?
13: All right, so sort of um, in the future, but I'm actually going to my first UFC event, UFC 277. Just wanted to ask two questions. Do you have any tips for um, things I should look out for while in the arena? Any, you know, cool merch to buy while I'm there? And then my second question is, uh, do you think uh, Nunes could pull it off in the second fight?
2: Thank you, Pastor. Have fun. Dallas is a fun city. I like the AAC been there a few times to watch your Boston Celtics beat up on the Dallas Mavericks. And I went to a UFC event there as well. Uh, one of the earlier events, I still can't remember which number it was. 102. I don't know. It was one of the, it was right around the 90, range. I forget what it was. And I would just get there early and just enjoy the card. Just get in there, have some fun Avoid the slobs who just are going to take over Dallas and just drink their faces off where they just stumble into their seats. Just avoid that. Just enjoy it. Have some fun and just take it all in. It's fun. It's, it's a good time. So, yeah. Can Nunez get it done? Sure she can. Will she? I don't know. I'm picking Juliana Pena to win that fight, but... I could be terribly wrong. All right. Chad, Johnny Woo, Gunwood. Chad, go. Unmute.
7: Chad, unmute.
2: Nothing. Try again. Johnny Woo. Maybe. Johnny, your wheel just keeps spinning. I don't know if. Oh, I I know you're there, but I can barely hear you. Yeah, I can't hear you at all, man. Cannot hear you at all. Let's try Chad again. Chad? Nothing. Oh, try again. Unmute. Unmute. Yeah, sometimes if your Wi-Fi is like not in a good spot, it doesn't work. Chad, do we have you? No, Chad. Gunwood! Or Gunwoo, excuse me.
7: Are you there? Hello, Mike. Can you... What's up, buddy? Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello, Mike. Uh, hey, good morning to you and everyone listening uh, from South Korea. Uh, it is midnight here. Uh, I just have uh, three quick questions. Uh, first question is, uh, Mike, are there any Asian fighters uh, you think could be UFC champion in the next three years, uh, except Zhang Wei Li, or uh, any Asian fighters you are particularly uh, interested in? And the second question is, uh, does MMA fighting need any interviews with any fighters uh, training in Korea? If yes, uh, please let me know. Uh, I can do the interview, edit the video, and send it to you. And lastly, uh, have you ever visited South Korea? Uh, if you have a plan to come to Korea, uh, please let me know. I can show you around. And I just want to say that uh, thank you for doing what you're doing, and uh, I really enjoy your podcast. Uh, have a great day. Thank you, sir. Very kind words.
2: I appreciate that very much. Uh, I, am a, I, I like Yan Jo a lot. I know she's not from Korea, but if we're talking about Asian fighters, I like her a lot. I think she's going to be really good. I think she's going to get better. I think she could be a could still be a, a title contender in this division. So I, I do like her a lot. I'm not like terribly familiar. Like I know there's some on the contender series. I know there's some from the road to UFC that I didn't really get a, a chance to to really dive into and watch. So I'll have to sort of get back to you on that. I've never been to Korea, to South Korea. Uh, I've never really, I've I've only been outside the country like once or twice, Canada, Mexico. So I haven't really, I'm not a world traveler really at all. Hopefully that'll change in the near future, covering this wonderful sport of ours. But even, even in the U S like I'm going to Vegas next week for international fight week. I've never been to Vegas. And that'll be the furthest west I have gone in the United States. So I've been kind of a homebody. Like when I go on vacations, it's like to Florida. I've been to Texas, a couple of different parts of Texas. I've been obviously to New Hampshire and all those places, the Carolinas, things like that. But yeah, I'm kind of boring when it comes to travel. But hopefully next few years, maybe I'll get to spread my wings, travel these different places. and Maybe I'll head to South Korea and uh and do that so all right i gotta get out of here my friends this is actually my day off but i'm still doing this for you guys because why the hell not because you guys are the best so we will be back tomorrow 10 a.m eastern right here mma fighting twitter spaces if you're coming in late and you're wondering what the hell we were talking about show will go up on the mma fighting podcasting network sooner rather than later so again back tomorrow 10 a.m eastern my parents are actually coming too so i'll be excited to see them Tomorrow, BTL. We'll have BTL. I don't know who's going to be a part of it. I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. And then we have lots of stuff going on Friday. BKFC. we got Bellator. we got PFL. We'll have a preview show on Friday. Getting you ready for UFC Vegas 57. And then we'll have the card on Saturday. Pre-fight show, post-fight show. On to the next one. All that good stuff. So lots to look forward to this week. But in the meantime, I am out of here. Have a great rest of the day. And as always... Have a heck of a morning. Media
14: Podcast Network.